Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. Today, we're going to be discussing triangle relationships. We're going to talk about what triangle relationships are, why they exist in families, and different family structures that might utilize triangle relationships in order to communicate with one another. If we were all assigned a shape, I would be a triangle as far as our families go, because I was definitely in the middle of a triangle relationship. So what is a triangle relationship? Well, I didn't really ever know that there was a name for what I was doing until I did my doctorate. And when I did my doctorate, there's something called uh, a triangle relationship. And that is where there's three people in a family and one person kind of is the go-between. I think of a triangle of three corners that two people don't have good direct communication. And so they go to this go-between person, um, kind of like the old-fashioned telephone. You tell them I said this. Well, you tell them I said that. And the reason why they use it is to avoid stress, that there's some Something stressful about the two connecting together. And so the person kind of steps into the middle to avoid stress or alleviate stress in the family. So probably as a people pleaser, which you have admitted that you are a people pleaser, that was your role in the family is to make sure that there was peace at all costs. So you probably functioned in triangle relationships with a lot of people because peace was your ultimate goal. And so if you could alleviate that tension by being the communicator. Right. And, and one of the things, you know, um, relationships are messy. And so if you're a people pleaser and you're trying to avoid conflict at all costs, you're going to try to step in the middle to have those, the hotheads in the family or the people who kind of rev up against each other, avoid having that confrontation and that connection. And there's a, certainly a really big manipulative component to it. When you think back of our family, how do you view it with me when I'm saying I'm the people pleaser and I was, you know, the triangle part of the stress of between your brother, you and your dad? How do you remember that in our family? Well, I think that a lot of times we would use you, your role as a people pleaser to be our mouthpiece, especially because there was a lot of tension between my brother and I. You would be the mediator between us if there was conflict. A lot of times, you would be the person communicating my side of the story to him and vice versa. Yeah. And I think I did a lot of like trying to guilt you in because I wanted you guys to be loving and kind to each other. So I would tell you maybe your brother's side of the story with a perspective of, you know, look at it from his point of view. He's such a nice brother. He's a good guy. Remember the times he did really nice things for you to get you to feel sorry. And then I would do the same thing to him where I would, you know, manipulate and remember the times your sister think about it from her point of view and what it's like to be her where he would feel sorry. And I think that there was a lot of frustration because you've been manipulated and now you kind of get like, I'm going to try to be closer again. But the other family member has no idea that this conversation's come about and they're still ticked off. And so like there might be the experience like now I'm going to be try try to be nice to my brother and then it backfires on you. Right. Because they're not in that same place. So having that triangle relationship, you know, one person might be in a better place and the other person is going to still be rejecting the other person. And that just compounds the cycle. Right. Because we really removed a big part of the relationship. And that is each side hearing from the other horse's mouth, so to speak, their perspective of what they were thinking and how they felt and having direct communication. 
Right. Because yeah, I mean, it just, without direct communication, you can't really have a relationship. Right. And so there was just this like pseudo relationship versus actual real relationship. And I think with dad too, we came from a family with where we had one permissive parent and one authoritarian parent. You were the permissive parent and dad was the authoritarian parent. And so there would be a level of manipulation where, you know, if you went to dad for something and he said no, then you could go and maybe try to persuade mom to persuade dad, that sort of thing, which led to conflict in the marriage, conflict, you know, uh, you guys learning to be manipulative, which is from a Christian point of view, you know, the Bible actually says that manipulation is like witchcraft, because what it is, is it's trying to control other people through counterfeit means. And if God doesn't control us, and we're using counterfeit means to try to control another person, then it, it's not godly. The reason why we know the triangle relationships that would exist within our family is because we have done the research and we've done the activity doing a family map. Do you want to take a second and maybe explain what the family map activity is. And if you're listening right now and you have a second to pause this podcast and participate in the activity yourself, I highly recommend it. It's very eye-opening and it can lead to a lot of insight into maybe why certain dysfunctions exist within your family relationships. This can be used to discover triangle relationships, and it can also be used to look at generation dysfunction, like anger patterns or drinking patterns or divorce patterns, so that you can see where generations ahead of you. So what it is, is like you're doing a family tree. So imagine you're going to do your family tree. But when you do your connection between each person, you're going to draw like a solid line. If we're good together, we get along well, we're good. We have a solid line. We have a solid relationship. We have direct communication. There's no issues with our communication styles with one another. Right. So that would be like, we're good, straight line, connect, connect. Then another connection to a family member, let's say you don't have that good connection. Maybe you're tense. You, you talk, but there's a lot of tension. You do a jagged line, like a zigzag. We talk, but man, there's a lot of tension between us. And then the third connection would be, we don't talk really. We're broken. Maybe you don't talk at all. And then that one's going to be a broken, like a dotted line. And when you do this activity and you lay it out, what's going to appear is all these triangles are going to naturally show up on this paper. Because the place where there's the jagged line and, of course, the broken line, you're going to see that you're going to use the people who have the straight lines, the good connection to each other, where, where you're going to use your straight line connection to another person who has a straight line connection with a family member to get a message across versus having to go directly to that person and communicate. So, for example, in our family, my mom and I have a straight line connection. My brother and my mom have a straight line connection. But my brother and I have a zigzag connection. Right. So we're going to use our mom because we both have straight lines to her. We're going to use her as the middleman and the go-between for any time that we have conflict or hard things to talk about. We're going to go to our middleman because it's easier to connect with that person right. rather than having this tension. Right. And, and that still goes on today. And what's interesting is, I guess, if you're drawing a zigzag line, you guys might be super zigzaggy in the past. And now maybe it's, it's a little zigzaggy now, which right. makes me happy, you know, because we're it looking for- It definitely has improved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're looking for improvement, not perfection in family relationships. And I just want to say, like, sometimes this can also show up in code. Your dad, I remember you being in high school and, and the style at the time were like hip hugger jeans and low, low cut blouses. And your dad would say to me, look at her shirt. That was code for, 
you go do something because she's not going out of the house with that. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think that's kind of maybe a, an appropriate use of triangle relationships. So I want to talk a little bit about our dynamic and how dad was very authoritarian and you were very permissive and what effects that had on our family dynamics and our triangle relationships. I think that I felt that my job was that I had control of, and it was my job to control the emotional well-being of everybody in the family. And you know, God gave us a mother and a father. And I think stereotypically, the mother is the nurturer and the father is the provider. And it, it seems fitting that dad took a more authoritarian role because of his position in the family, and you took more of a permissive role, which maybe was misconstrued with nurturing. You thought that in order to be a nurturer, right. you had to be permissive. And I, I think I had been taught um, through a lot of teaching that like men needed to be touched in touch with their feelings. And there was a lot of like demasculizing teaching of men. But if men are going to be good men, the more that they're like women, the better that they are. And it's taken me even into the, my 50s and 60s to get this mind shift that we need dads to be kind of the alpha who rules and, and protects the family and sets the tone and can be the hammer. And that the w women are more maybe the nurturers. And that trying to make your husband to be just like you isn't for your children's highest good. Right. And, you know, we're talking about a heteronormative family. Right. Um, but I do think that in all families, there needs to be, it's kind of like the pack mentality where there's a leader and there's a nurturer and everybody has a specific role within that family. Right. And they all work together in their unique, beautiful differences to make the family thrive. And I was trying to control everyone with like mama knows best and manipulate all the relationships, especially if anybody was upset. And so that was a lot of triangling with that. Um, a lot of times your dad didn't want to discipline. He kind of was like, you know, you're the expert, you're the teacher. And so he uh, could be the hammer in some ways. And then in some ways, he would be kind of like, hint and have me take care of it versus going to you directly. So do you think that there was a shift between you be coming less permissive and more authoritarian? Yeah, I would. I don't know if I could say that I was more authoritarian, but I became more aware of boundaries and that manipulation was something that God wasn't pleased with. And so I became much more direct in that. No, I'm not going to step into that. Kind of like I learned how to drive my, in my own lane. Like this is my lane. This, this isn't happening to me. This is, you know, they, it's okay for people to suffer emotionally. Sometimes it's the appropriate emotion for what's going on. And I just kind of learned like how to honor boundaries versus authoritarian. Cause by the time I got healthy enough, you guys were almost adults. And so there wasn't a lot of, you know, bossing me around I could do. What's an example of that where you learned to like stay in your own lane and there was maybe consequences of emotional suffering? An example might be that maybe you had a roommate problem rather than maybe propping you up or something. I would just say, that sounds like a really big problem. What are you going to do about it? Versus lying to you that maybe you didn't have any part to play just to make you happy. I'd let you have the consequences of that. Well, do you triangle in any relationships? And we're talking about me. How about you? Do you triangle in any of your relationships? I use triangles. See, I'm not a people pleaser. And so I'm a self-proclaimed non-people pleaser. 
So I don't think that I'm really like used as a go-between. But but you said you use triangles. So yes. are you ever aware of, I'm going to go tap into my go-between because I want something from this other person. So I'm going to tap into my go-between, let them be the negotiator because they're better at it than me or they're... Sometimes, like I sometimes think that it's hard for you guys to tell Greg no because he is just the favorite son-in-law. He's the only son-in-law, but he... Sometimes I think he might be your favorite child. Greg's my husband. So I'll be like, you know what? You should ask mom and dad about this to see if they want to do this. And I think that it's a lot easier for you guys to tell right. me no than to tell him so no. So if he says, hey, you guys want to meet, if Greg calls and says, you want to meet for wings, yeah. um, we're going to be more likely to go, yeah, Greg asked if we want to go to wings. And if you ask if we want to go to wings, they're going to be kind of like, do you want to go to wings? I don't know. You <laughs> right. know, like, right. well, that's a good way. I mean, that's honest. And I, I do see that. Yeah. And also, I still think that the dynamic exists between the triangle between you, me and dad, where sometimes it's hard for me to go to dad with like tough conversations. Whereas with you, I can kind of, I feel like it's almost like safer, like it's going to be well received. And we're going to have like honest conversation about it. And we've really worked on our relationship in order to have those tough conversations where sometimes it feels like with dad, it's not that he would not want to have those hard conversations. It's just that we don't really practice that a lot. Right. And so if something was to come up, I would definitely go to you first and kind of bounce some ideas off right. of you before I go to him. And I think I see it bo- with both of you, my, you kids with like childcare, like if you want me to babysit or us to babysit, it's more like you guys are going to me and go, Hey, you know, we're really wanting to go away sometime in this month. And, you know, you said you'd watch our kid for one week a year. You know, when would that you're, Neither one of you guys initiate that conversation with your dad. You initiate it with me. And then I go to your dad and tell him the good news <laughs> that we're going to be babysitting for a week, you know, and, uh, yeah, and it's just kind of like, um, but I, when I think about you and dad and childcare situation, you just, you've devoted more time to helping out with the grandchildren. Right. Uh, he's, he's got a very busy schedule, so. And it's just kind of like the mom in me is, you know, I mean, I think the GG in you. Yeah, the GG. And I think in a traditional, uh, what would you say that was? Is from a heteronormative perspective. And so, you know, that is where like I'm more the nurturer, the mama, the more traditional roles in. Um, right. And life. you were a stay at home mom for a large majority of our childhood. Right. right. So, right. And, and maybe and, you have more practice. Right. So you've always been a people pleaser your whole life, right? Yes. And we've talked a lot about our family triangle relationships that exists within our nuclear family. Correct. So what does your childhood family map look like? What triangle relationships existed there? I I think that this will be really interesting for all those out there who are like me, who come from a divorced family home, a divorced parents, because when that happens, you run into, you know, now you have a stepmother. Now you have stepkids. Maybe you live with those stepkids. Maybe you have a, you know, a stepparent and stepkids on the other side. And so now you just like doubled and tripled the amount of tension in the family and the amount of opportunity for triangles. And so for me, in order for me to feel loved I was always wooed into accepting whatever new wife my dad had 
at the time. And then I would step into triangling within that relationship. So what do you mean by woo? Well, I think that my parent, my step parent came in and now there's all these kids and they knew I'm the people pleaser. I'm also the oldest in the family. And now, now they're relying on me to help kind of mother all these extra kids that are there while they're both working. And so I became the triangle between the kids and the parents and I became um, assistant mother. But with that came privileges. Like I always got to sit in the front seat. I got extra money to buy clothes. I got to kind of be like boss the kids around and be the assistant mother and run the show. So there was a lot of um, power in that position. And there was um, a lot of, you know, they kind of had to keep me happy to keep the whole family working. And I was the center of the triangle there with all the kids. So there were definite payoffs to this triangle relationship for yeah. you. Like it probably made you feel special. It probably made you feel important and valued. And I think that's really important because people in these triangle relationships, the mediator person, a lot of times it feels like a very powerful position. Yeah. I think that that it's, you know, in order to end this and to really have that revelation of like, what's a healthy family dynamic and wanting it is like, you have to give up the idea. Like I'm going to be the, the one that everybody loves. See, there's a lot of power. Like everybody's close to me. I'm like the linchpin of the family. Everybody loves me. I'm the favorite. And so, you know, that is a very selfish thing when that very desire to stay in the middle and be important is hindering other people from actually having close connection. And I think children who experience this and don't necessarily know that it's a toxic communication dynamic probably grow up and carry this idea of, you know, being the center of center of all relationships um, into their own families. And I think that that probably translated to our family too. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I think that there's this, this power. I mean, I think I see this picture so clearly, like in the middle school girl relationships, like the one who wants to have the power and be the center of everything. The, the main character, the main character of the story, the prima donna, you know, this is the root of this is, you know, the triangle relationships, wanting to be important, wanting to be valuable. I'm valuable. I'm important. I'm loved because I'm in the middle of everybody else's story and business. And I'm needed. And I'm needed. I need to be needed. And especially I, with divorce, you know, I have friends whose parents have been divorced. Um, we have divorce in our family. And when you have the divorce between there's so much conflict and tension between the parents. A lot of times the people pleaser child will be the middleman for that triangle relationship. Right. I think every child who's been a, a parent of a divorce feels this. Like, I think that I'm talking to 50% of the people that even if you're not the people pleaser, you have this pressure, like that secretly your parent, when you're at visit with one parent, they're fishing for information and ammunition of what's going on with the other parent either directly hostile, you know, your other, your parent is a piece of garbage and I'm the good parent and they're the bad parent. And, you know, you hear them bad mouthing that other parent, if not to the child, then to their friends and on the phone and to other family members and rolling their eyes. And so the child feels very stuck in the middle. I think every child probably feels that their parent is putting them in the middle and automatically like a triangle comes in there as a child doesn't want to be in it and they're in it. So what, like, what do you do? Well, I think this is where people who get divorced have to really decide to be unselfish 
and to say, my child did not get divorced and I'm going to take the high road. And I will say that my mother took the high road a million percent more than my dad took the high road in that. And initially um, I was more like at my dad's house than my mom's. But when it became to long-term close relationship, my mom, like one at the end kind of thing, right? Uh, that taking the high road ultimately did end up when the kids had the discernment to open their eyes and as an adult and start to view the family story for, through, the, through a clear lens without that influence, there was a great, a great, I had a great appreciation for her being the adult and the protector and not playing me to the degree that the other parent did. And I think that adult children need to put up these boundaries with their parents if they're experiencing this and say, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about mom or I'm not going to talk to you about dad. You have their cell phone number. You can call them directly. Right. That sounds like a really good question. Why don't you call dad and ask him that? Right. You know, so oh, it I guess, sounds like you're really curious about mom. Why don't you give her a call and ask her that? And I think too, then when you get the dynamic of step parents, that can be really toxic too, because a lot of times people's ego is wrapped up in their relationship where they want to be the favorite. They want to be the better set of parents. They want to be the best stepmom or stepdad. Right. Or and even so, where they're wanting to be called mom or dad over the step parent, you know, the t- step parent now wants to be called that, or there might be pressure to be called mom or dad when you already have a mom or dad, you oh know, my gosh, that nothing drives me more crazy than that. I think that's so messed up. Yeah. When, and, and children get manipulated into doing that. And I mean, if you have a, fa- a healthy family dynamic that's working for you and this is going on fine, but I do think that, you know, we're talking about adult adults telling their adult children of divorced parents telling that, but I think it's even more healthy to be able to go to a child together. You know, maybe when you're saying that you're going to get divorced and call a meeting and say, you need to call us on it. Anytime that we're doing this, you have my complete permission to call me when I'm using you or I'm throwing your dad under the bus or I'm throwing your mom under the bus and say, stop, that's not okay. Um, And that the parents need to like set the ground rules for the divorce in the family where the poor little kid isn't stuck between, do you think your dad's going to be on time this time? Right. What's he doing this weekend? Right. Just let the poor kid not have to, I guess, be be re-traumatized by the divorce every time that you want to throw the other part or feel that contagious guilt. Like the anger's on me because, because you're asking me the question, I must be to blame. So I guess our tool would be then to encourage direct communication. Right. I mean, and to say, that's a really good point. You should tell them that. Right. You know, because usually what's happening is they're complaining or they're asking or they're, it's usually under the uh, the guise of a question. And then you should just say, that's a really good question. Why don't you ask them that? But I think that there can be consequences of that too, because if your role in your triangle relationship is the middleman and you're doing it in order to ease tension and ease anxiety in your family, that removing yourself from that position and saying, okay, you need to have direct communication, this broken communication or this tense communication, it's going to maybe increase the tension in the home, increase the tension in your family, increase the stress. And when you remove yourself from that triangle, you really need to step back and say, I'm removing myself And this stress isn't on me. And one of the things I think is that like when I remove myself from you or tried to with you and your brother, 
I had to go to myself and go and before the Lord, and this is really, really, really hard and go, my children may never like or love each other. I have to give that up to you, God. Yeah. And I will say this is like that we don't have the guarantee that if we step out now, they're going to shake hands and be good friends. Maybe they're not. But that is something you, as the parent, you have to trust that you've taught your children the coping skills, whatever they need to do in order to come back together. And, you know, I think that I think it's really good to talk to both sides and explain what you're doing and why the two people on the other end of the triangle want some kind of a connection, right? Because otherwise they wouldn't be trying to get a message across to the other person. So in their heart of hearts, they really do want a connection, but maybe there's undealt with apologies that need to be made or whatnot. And so just to give them the heads up together, you know, I noticed that I'm in this role, I'm working to step out of it. And so if you guys are going to want to communicate or know what's going on in each other's life, you're going to have to text each other and find out. You're going to have to call each other and find out because I'm not going to do this anymore. You're responsible for your own relationship. And so the benefit could be they eventually do come back together. One of the things I want to point out is we're free to choose. You can stay in a triangle relationship. You can say, I'd rather be the middleman to have some kind of connection between these two than to end it all together. You can say that we're free to choose. Um, But you also need to recognize that it's probably not the healthiest dynamic. It's not the healthiest dynamic. And there's a lot of stress on the person caught in the middle. There's a lot of reward for the person caught in the middle. And it it probably is robbing, in some cases, robbing people of actually having a real close connection with this pseudo connection. Right. So we've been talking a lot about triangle relationships within family systems, but triangle relationships can exist anywhere. They can exist within your friend groups. They can exist in the workplace. Yeah. So I know one one time I was teaching and there was a teacher who was not following the administration's guidelines. guidelines. And the administration asked me if I could talk to this teacher and tell them to please follow the guidelines and have a talk with them. Well, it sounds like that's the administration's job. Well, and that's what I point blank said. That's not my job. You know, I might be the team leader and I will communicate, you know, what you want to basic information, basic information that you want as a standard for us to hit. But whether somebody actually hits the target or not is your job. My job is a communication disperser. I bet they love that. Um, I remember there were two of them there. One was a vice principal and one was a principal. And one of them had their mouth wide open and the other person said, you're right. It's not your job. We'll take care of it. And you can see I've done a lot of healing to be able to do that at that point, how, how far I probably had come from the past. But just really that that's just an example or a story of how I kind of learned like this is not my lane. Like right. I, I'm not a manager of this person. You're the manager of that person. I might be over that person as far as a communicator, but I'm like, they don't directly report to me where I have any power to give them consequences. Right. You guys are both on the same level. The only difference is that you're the person that attends a, a weekly meeting to, to disperse information. Right. That's it. That and so literally could be an email. And I think, I think, so let's look at that from like other work dynamics. Where is a point where like the line where a person actually has the power to say, you need to do this versus um, where maybe they're being manipulated and it's not their job. Honestly, if it's in your job description, if you're getting paid to do it, then go ahead. But if not, I would say, are you going to pay me? Are you going to pay me more in order to step into this role as the mediator or as 
the mentor or as the teacher, you know, I think a lot of times too, triangle relationships can exist within an environment where there's a lot of gossip. Mm, Yeah. And gossiping in order to change someone's behavior or to maybe ostracize someone that, you know, don't like. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to feel superior and to be important. I mean, we gossip a, because we're nosy. Right. And B, a lot of times that's because it makes us feel superior and somebody feel like, you know, somebody else is less. And it's kind of like, at least I'm not as bad as that person. But I I do think when maybe a test for like, should you be stepping into that in a, in a, in a hierarchy of a business hierarchy is like, do I have the power to give a consequence? So like, if I don't have the power to like rate this person in some way, like if I'm not in charge of their performance review. Right. Then, then I don't have the power to tell them what to do. Right. But it, the person who has that power to needs to be the mouthpiece. Needs to be the mouthpiece. To- and I think managers sometimes think, oh, well, this message will come across better if it's from a coworker rather right. than a superior. You don't want to put yourself in that position to being a mouthpiece for whatever information the manager wants, unless, like you said, you have that promotion to that position. Right. And I I do think that there's sometimes like the person who goes to the meeting is to say, this is what they want done. This is the new standard. This is what they want done. But to actually go to that person and say, you didn't do this and this is what they want done. If you don't have the power to correct them and promote and give them their evaluation, then it's not your job. What would be a polite way to say that to a boss if they want you to triangle? I don't think that's in my job description. Yeah. Or, or since I don't really have the power to enforce this or give a consequence, probably it's better coming from you. That's a, or saying that's a really good point. I think that it will hold more weight coming from you as a supervisor than me as a coworker. Yeah, that, that's a great one. I think that would be great. So at the beginning of this episode, we discussed the activity which can be found on our webpage, familiesmatterworkshop.com for free. So you can actually print out a copy of the worksheet that helps you to do this map. But we just encourage all of our listeners to take a moment to reflect on the relationships that exist w- within their family. If you're an adult, you know, you can reflect on past generations, the triangles that existed within your family system as a child and how that may have impacted the triangles that exist in your family today. And I think another thing as we're looking at those triangles, you know, is, is, you know, we're talking about a lot of this from the the point of view of the person who wants to fix and not have conflict. But in some family triangles, the person in the middle wants to stir up conflict. They want to alienate sides from one another. They want to do that. She said this about you and he said that about you. And they actually want to kind of keep people split and that gives them power. So it's really important to kind of think about the motivation. If you draw these triangles out and draw out these family things, like is this person creating, trying to like create peace or drama? Yeah. So as you do this activity, really analyze the connection, the lack of connection, or a scattered connection, and maybe the motivation behind it. Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. 
Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. <laughs>